Uh, we're in a series um, looking at the topic of prayer. And from the beginning of the series, the goal of the series was not just to tell you about prayer, but was to help you over these few months to develop a life of prayer into your day-to-day being. Prayer to a Christian is like breathing for a human, to communicate with God and to be in communion with God. That's what prayer is. Over the next six weeks, starting today, we're going to look at the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Now, before we get into it, it is a, um, it's not some kind of magical prayer. And I read this article about how there are some um, groups of people in this world where there is, in, in a sense, they've elevated the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer gives us a great model and a pattern for how we are to pray Um, I think a lot of us, we pray the Lord's Prayer, or if you've prayed the Lord's Prayer, without really thinking about it, it becomes like that prayer before your meal, right? Dear Lord, thank you for this meal. Make make us healthy and strong. You know, this is how I pray with my kids, right? So I I, I just want to sort of preface it with that, because the Lord's Prayer is a great model. There's so much richness and depth in it, but it doesn't mean that every prayer has to be the Lord's Prayer. Yeah? So we're going we're gonna to really slow, we're going to go over the next six weeks um, in the Lord's Prayer. But I thought before we begin, why don't we pray this prayer together? Uh, maybe you've prayed this prayer, maybe you haven't. And so it's going to be on the screen, and we're going to do this every week. Because for, for me, if you don't know how to pray, and if you, if you would love to uh, develop your prayer life, and you don't know where to start, this is where you can start, Okay. So I, I pray this prayer with my daughter every night before um, she goes to bed. It's just something that we, I don't know, I don't do it with my sons. I just do it with my daughter, I don't know why. But, um, you know, either, I, either she needs it more or she loves God more. I don't know which side of it is. So. But why don't we pray this together? It's okay, and when I say, when, like, why don't we pray this together, I don't mean like, you know, you need to, like, close your eyes. Because, you know, if you don't know it, then you're going to just be mumbling. So why don't we just repeat this prayer together, and then we'll get into it. Ready, set, go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let's start with the video. What is God's name? Howard. How do you know? How do you know God's name is Howard? Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that. Did you ever know that God's name was Howard? It's uh, <laughs> Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that's where we're going to land today. That's it. We're just going to do that one sentence. In Luke 11, we have the same story. Uh, if you know the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk about the life 
and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so there are times where the same story pops up in different Gospels. And this idea of when Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer or teaches how to pray pops up not just in Matthew, but also in Luke. And and we find this in Luke 11, uh, verse 1. And he says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Matthew 6, 9, same story, right? But this is the version. This is it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to break that line down into three things. There are three key elements of that first line of prayer. First one is this, our Father. Prayer is our communion and communication with God. And with all communication, you need to know who's on the other side. With all communion, you need to know who you're hanging out with. Why does Jesus start with our Father? Why doesn't he start with God, Almighty Creator? Why? Because of this. Our prayers revolve around the idea that they come out of the personal relationship with God as our Father. When we pray, right, you've got to understand the context of it. When we pray, not the most important thing, but, but it's so important for us to understand that, that who we are praying to is not just God, but is actually God our Father. This should be profound and should blow your mind that when we pray, that it's not just up to some higher being. It's not just some power in the sky. But actually, is someone that we have a personal relationship with. Someone that we can call Father. In this one word, it outlines the relationship that we have with God. Or should I say the relationship that God makes available to us? One of sonship, a personal and intimate relationship with our Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. The Spirit received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba. Father. Isaiah 64, 8. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. John 1, 12, 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. There are so many other verses in Scripture that talk about that idea of God our Father. We enter into relationship with God not just as strangers or as acquaintances, but we enter as sons and daughters. And so when we pray, when you pray, right, that word, Father, 
it changes everything about your prayer. It changes everything about the the posture, the attitude, the language of your prayer. When my kids come to me, when my kids come to me and they ask me for something, it is completely different to when some kid off the street comes to me and asks me for something. Why? Because of that word, Father. My kids can come and request something to me, and you can come and request something to me, and it means something completely different. See, prayer, prayer isn't just reciting some religious words, but when we recognize that who we are talking to is not just God, but it is God, our Father, our loving Father, it changes everything about the way we pray and how we pray and what we say. Because on the other side of our prayers isn't just some mythical creature. It's not just some supernatural being, but actually it's our dad. So that's the first thing we need to see. Our father. The second phrase is in heaven. Our God, our Father who resides in heaven. Now, once again, this is a reminder of two things. Firstly, it is a reminder that God is supernatural. He is not our Father who art in Stratfield. (laughs) It is our Father who resides in heaven, which reminds us that actually God is supernatural. We forget this. We forget this all the time. That who we are speaking to does not belong to the universe that He created. But because He created, He is above that. And secondly, we are reminded that God is beyond the earth. And not just physically, but in all aspects, He is greater than all creation. Matthew 5 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is a clear distinction. There is a clear distinction of God who resides in heaven and us who do not. Now, there are two really important things that that we have to understand from this. When we firstly understand, when we firstly understand once again that God is supernatural, that He is the God of heaven, then that actually allows us to change the scope of how we pray and what we pray for. Because when when we are requesting from each other, we are limited by what you can and can't do. I cannot ask Andy, who is amazing at, you know, playing and and leading and and being a husband. Oh, no, okay, maybe not. Quinn Quinn didn't, she she just didn't, she froze. (laughs) I cannot ask Andy, Andy... Bless this food that I'm about to eat into my body, right? Andy cannot do anything about that. Andy can come and move some furniture in my house. That's as useful as Andy is to me sometimes, right? He's awesome. 
you know, Andy, hang out with me because I'm lonely. But he cannot do things that God can do because he is part of this world, yet God is not. And so suddenly, suddenly we can ask God for things like healing. Suddenly we can ask God for things like reconciliation. Suddenly we can ask God for miracles because God is supernatural. Because it's God who resides in heaven. But the second thing that we need to understand is this. Because he's our father who is in heaven and he's supernatural and his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher, there is a clear distinction that you need to understand. And this is going to mean more for some people than others. He is not like your earthly father. See, I know sometimes, and I know, and I purposely didn't address it when we talked about the first point, but sometimes when we use the word father, it's a very mixed word. It comes with a lot of different thoughts. For some people, and I, uh, you know, I, I don't apologize, but I, I have a wonderful father. So when, when, when Scripture says God is your father, to me, to me, I'm like, I know what that means. Because I have, a, I have and had a, a wonderful father who, when, when Scripture describes the, the father, fatherly qualities of God, I, to me, they're so easy to see. They're so easy to understand because I've been blessed. But I know that more, I would say, more than half, if not a larger percentage, when I say God is like your father, God is your heavenly father, that does not excite you. That actually brings trauma. That actually brings PTSD. That actually brings anxiety to you. But here's the thing. He's not like your father because he's our father who are in heaven. And that's something that you need to, for some of you, that is a really important point. For some of you, our father is the important point. But for some of you, it's the idea that he is not like your earthly father that you need to understand. As I said, this is the beauty of our God. The beauty of our God is that he will meet you. He will commune with you where you're at. Meaning that for you, for some of you, uh, the idea that God is our Father is traumatic. And why would I go to God if He's like my, my earthly Father? But Scripture says He's not. He's our Father in heaven. And so depending on which side of the coin you sit on, you know, which side, of, which side of, of, of how your earthly father is, this idea that our father in heaven is going to mean different things. But both things lead us back to God. Our father in heaven. And thirdly, hallowed be your name. Now, when I was a kid, don't lie, if you, you probably thought this, I thought it was like, Hello. <laughs> right? Our Father who art in heaven. Hello. You know? As if you guys didn't think that, right? To, to hallow something is to make holy or to separate it. It means to be set apart as holy. That God's name, the name we call upon, is like no other on earth. 
when we pray, right? When we pray, not only do we pray to God, our Father, our God, our, our Father who art in heaven, who is in heaven, but we recognize the name of God. We recognize who God is and that He is above everything in creation, that He is holy and set apart. Now, this is important because this recognition, this, this part of our prayer, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he's teaching us how to pray. When we pray, Jesus says to recognize God and his holiness. You know, friends, we are so used to in our prayers, God, give me this. God, I need this. God, you need to help me with this. And we do not spend enough time recognizing who God actually is. We're so used to making our prayers about ourselves. Yet Jesus begins with the acknowledgement of God and His name. What does it mean to hallow God's name? Revelations 4.11. These are some examples. You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. 1 Samuel 2.2. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Isaiah 6.3. Uh, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Jesus teaches us that when we pray, when we pray, that the focus is actually not on us. Like, yes, later, later in the prayer, Jesus, you know, will model to us, you know, how we ask for things and the things that we need. But actually, if you actually think about it, when we recognize God, who, whom we are praying to, that He is the loving Father who resides in heaven, heaven and 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 as we pray it's not just about communication but it's the invitation to be with god god is holy god is worthy of all our honor and our first priority is to pray that the world would see how holy and glorious he is here's the thing right and i think this is this is what is probably the most important thing we think that what we need, we know, right? We think that what we need is like we need health, we need stability, we need finances, we need uh, marriage, we need all these things and we need all these things. So when we go to God, we go to God with our greatest need. But can I tell you, your greatest need is none of that. Your greatest need is God himself. And so when we begin our prayer and we start with the recognition of who God is and you go, wow, God, you are Holy, you are above everything else. There is no one like you. And we invite God, the God of creation, to come and, and for us to commune with him. Friends, that is the greatest prayer. That's what we need. Sometimes when we pray, you know, and I'm not belittling the things that we pray for, but it seriously, it seriously is going to sound like this, right? God... Can I have a red Skittle 
a blue M&M, a green Mentos, you know? And God is like Willy Wonka, right? He's like, yo, you asking me for dots when I can give you the factory. You think about your prayer, friend. You think about what you're asking God. You think about what you're saying to God. And when Jesus says, hallowed be your name, that should be the starting point. Think about what that's asking for. It's asking for God the Creator to come and be a part of our lives. Is that not greater than anything else? Anything else in our lives? Friends, when we pray, so many times the focus of our prayers is us. What we want, what we need, how we feel. But when we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, it helps us to begin where we should begin with the recognition and acknowledgement of who we are praying to. That our communication and being in communion with our Heavenly Father, our Father who is so holy, who is so amazing, who is so almighty, that if we were not to receive anything else from God, but to have God Himself, that would be better than anything that we could have. And I think that's the truth that we need to learn how to swallow. If God did not answer any of your prayer, any request that you prayed, and yet was with you, that would still be greater than anything that we have in this world. Many years ago, uh, myself and some of us at church were taught of this idea of the prayer of adoration. Now, the noun adoration comes from the Latin word adore, which is just adoration with M at the end of it. Adorationum. I don't speak Latin. Carcilius est in the villa. That's as much, uh, I don't know if anyone did Latin. Anyone do Latin? Yeah, right. Carcilius is in the villa. What does that mean? Carcilius is in the house, right? Yeah, right? That's year seven Latin. That's as good as it gets. And then we've got to eat Pizza Hut. That's, as, that's uh, you know, that's what you get for going to a good school. You get to learn a dead language, right? But the word adoration comes from the Latin word, which means worship. To adore something means to worship it. It means to give true value and worth to that thing. When I say to my wife, I adore you, (laughs) what I'm actually saying is you are worthy of value and worth. When I sing out adoration to my football team, who suck, I am telling them that they are worthy of my support (laughs) and my time that I watch these games. When we pray a prayer of adoration, and this was really, it it was quite um, challenging, but also um, a big paradigm shift for me personally. To pray a prayer of adoration is to pray a prayer of acknowledgement of who God is without asking God for anything. And actually, 
That's really hard because that's not how we pray. Have you ever prayed a prayer that actually doesn't ask God for anything? It's actually really hard because we're so used to asking God, God this, God that, God this, God that. But it's actually really hard. 1 Chronicles 29, 11 to 12. This is King David's prayer of adoration. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things in your hands. A strength, power to exalt and give strength to all. Amen. That's his prayer. There is nothing in that prayer that David says to God, God, you are so amazing. Therefore, can you give me? But that's how we pray. You know, we might start with God, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. God, you are amazing. You are the creator of the sun, moon, and stars. And because you're so great, can you just give me a pay raise? Because you're so great, God, because you're so in control. Can can you give me a parking spot? You know? But what would our prayer sound like if it actually wasn't about us? What would our prayer sound like if the attention and the focus wasn't on us, but actually was on God Himself? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Friends, if that was the end of the Lord's Prayer, that's still an amazing prayer. For you to recognize that God is not just some, some power in the sky, but, but He's one that has personal relationship with us. He is one that is greater than anything in this world. He is not like our earthly fathers, but he is above. And so as we pray, Lord, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be who you are. Honor and glory be you and who you are. If that is our prayer, and if, if, if that's the end of our prayer, can I tell you, friends, that is an amazing prayer. But we're not used to praying like this. And I remember when when we first got taught this idea, it was hard. It was like, we're going to give you, and I remember the first time, it was like, we're going to give you 30 minutes to pray a prayer of adoration. And I was like, cool. And I, I kid you not, I lasted like two minutes. Because you start praying. And, 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 and you might start with this idea of the focus being on God and recognizing who God is, but it's just so in us because we're so selfish. And we've been programmed to prayer like this. Yes, God, you're amazing, but I need this. Yes, God, you know, you're, you're, you're truly phenomenal, but I need this. And we're, we, we just keep bringing it back to ourselves. But as Jesus teaches us how to pray this morning, as he begins, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So why don't we take some time to practice this? Why don't we take some time to put this into our lives? Why don't we take some time to pray? Let's close our eyes in prayer.